on this episode of Business Interrupted. What I felt I was destined to do in terms of in the industry, the business recovery piece, in order for me to do that and help organizations as I wanted to, I had to expand my skill set. Business as usual is challenged every day. It's not about if disruption occurs, it's when. On this original show from Castellan Solutions, we're learning from the world's best leaders so you can be ready for whatever comes next. I'm your host, Cheyenne Marling. If you saw Michelle Turner now, you'd see an accomplished professional, author, and expert in business continuity. But what you wouldn't see are the challenges she overcame along the way. While business continuity is her first love, at the start of her career, those skills were not as valued as they are now. Instead of stepping down, Michelle stepped up, expanding her skill set into other areas, such as compliance and governance. In this leader's episode, Michelle talks about the turning points in her career and what it was like to embrace new opportunities outside her comfort zone. So looking back, think about one moment that really transformed or or really defined your career. I think the start of that was really realizing that what I felt I was destined to do in terms of in the industry, the business recovery piece, in order for me to do that and help organizations as I wanted to, I had to expand my skill set. So I needed to move from solely team information and process information to learning AS400s and Novell networks and Microsoft networks and routers and all that great stuff. And so that was a defining moment. But what I feel has occurred through the years is that I've continued to do things like that. So for example, even though business continuity is my first love initially, when I went to Microsoft, there was an opportunity for me to tie risk in with it. In terms of risk management, there was an opportunity to start that operational enterprise risk management program. And so I added that on. And then there was an opportunity to tie in governance with business continuity as an operational risk and go from there. So I think initially understanding that I needed to add to my skill set just helped me to continue to add on as the years went through. And now I've got the triple whammy, continuity, crisis management, and workplace resiliency. And that's fantastic because you and I have been through the industry for a long time. So you and I both know that back in the day, it was DR. And I th- I'm almost positive you were at my first conference, DRJ, also better known as Hurricane Floyd. Oh my goodness, yes. Yes. And everyone was going back and forth going, is it disaster recovery or business continuity? And it was like <laughs> a so-called like bunning of the heads. No, it's business continuity. It's driven by the business. No, it's disaster recovery. But to your point, Look at how much it's transitioned, right? And transformed as a, as a profession has evolved into looking at the governance, into resiliency, into risk management. So I think that's fantastic. And even the workplace aspect as well. As well, it should, because we don't want to get stale. We want to make sure that we're growing with the business, that we're being embedded into the culture of the organization. And we've got a great view, that top line view of all the critical services and functions. So we need to make sure that we stay at that elevated level. 
So when you when you think about putting all of those different pieces together, did you have any obstacles at that point that you really had to work through? Perhaps any obstacles at the executive management level or across the organization? I was blessed for the most part across my career in that I really had sponsorship and that was super huge. There were times starting out when I would walk into the room and people uh, didn't realize that I was either the the technologist or I was the lead. I had one person say, oh, great, you're here. Can you start taking notes? So that was a challenge. I met that challenge by saying, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm here to lead the conversation. And so what I'd really love to have happen is if we could all engage together. And if you could jot down a few notes while I jot down some notes, just to make sure that we stay on topic, that would be great. But other than that, again, I've been blessed with just really great sponsors across the board that understood the need for business continuity, the need for resiliency, the need for operational risk management. And they were able to really help out. Standard obstacles you run into with having to, in certain roles, really make sure that people understand the value, that it's not just a checkbox. That occurred in pockets across my career. And the key there is really just to make sure that you understand, do your homework, understand where their sort of trigger points are in terms of what's valuable for them, and be able to tie in business continuity to support that or risk or resilience or governance, but really do your homework, make sure that you understand where there were challenges and have a story to tell in terms of how you can assist in mitigating those risks through business continuity or other. And that's fantastic because you do always have to keep that engagement with the executives, right? And even though you've had that sponsorship throughout the time, you still, I'm sure, had to be very cognitive and aware of keeping that storytelling and keeping that activity and the engagement is so critical because you never know when something could shift from an executive standpoint who your sponsor is, but it's great that you've always had that sponsorship. I'm always a big component of as you grow within your career, stepping out of your comfort zone. So think about a time when you really had to step out of your comfort zone. How did you overcome that and challenging yourself? I guess it would have been when I had to learn those technology pieces. I didn't know routers and packets go back and forth. I didn't know any of that. But I knew that I had a passion and a heart to help organizations get through some tough times. And so I decided that, well, hey, if you really want to do this, this is the route we need to go. And so I did challenge myself in that respect. Also, one of the things that had been a challenge is that at early on, I would be in meetings. And while I did like to talk, I wanted to make sure that I was able to listen to the conversation first, let it marinate, and then communicate back out. But the challenge was, there are times when you can listen so much that you never say anything. And so you miss the opportunity to communicate the value that you would have been able to communicate otherwise. And so I challenged myself to process a little bit quicker. I had a seat at the table, so I needed to speak. And so really make sure that I gave that information. If I don't have a hundred percent of what that is, I know what I'm talking about. And I know that I should have enough to have a value add conversation. So just go for it. So it was really practicing what I preached, taking the risk, calculated risk, but taking that risk to be able to push myself along. So I can't help but think with everything you've done with your career, and especially the last couple of years, what were some of the challenges that you've had to overcome in the last 12, 19 months in, in making sure that your program met 
the needs of the organization and, and supporting that growth? You know what? The first word that comes to mind is flexibility. In general, I think a lot of organizations really needed to be flexible in terms of how you applied your resiliency program, meaning if you usually take a look at local recovery strategies and that local recovery strategy was, oh, we're only going to be out of the office for maybe a week or two. Let's all just work from home. What about when that turns from a week or two to 18 months? And so what are the ramifications of that and how can we ensure that we can pivot real time to make sure that it's the best thing for the employee as well as the best thing for the organization. So flexibility is just really a key point. And I think that we've learned a lot in terms of priority, what we really can't live without and what we can, what our mission critical sites really are. There's just a lot of flexibility that has to be inherent in the process and a lot of communication overall. So everyone is on the same page. So true. And I know before COVID hit, you were traveling a lot. You, I mean, I saw different posts. You were, gosh, all across <laughs> Europe and Asia. So it must be, you know, having to now switch and, and communicate virtually across the entire globe with your team. How, I mean, I can't, that, that must have been a challenge in the last year. It was a big shift because I definitely was used to traveling and engaging directly with the teams in Bratislava or Hyderabad, India or wherever. But now you know what it is. We need to do it virtually. And so with that, we need to make sure that we're cognizant and respectful of time zones. And so every now and again, I'll say, you know what? I realize that in China, 5.30 my time is probably right when you're waking up. But I tell you what, I'm going to have some meetings more aligned to your time zone just to make sure that you don't have to stay up all night or be up super early in the morning. And so it's really making sure that you have a really good understanding. It's a part of diversity as well, making sure that you understand that particular area and when it would be best to, to engage with that team, to be respectful of those time zones. The other piece is it's quite interesting because it started some conversation. When I was downstairs, I had my curio cabinet that had um, a couple of things in it. And people would say, oh, wait a minute, what's that? And we would start conversations off of that. And I think it was fine because if people didn't want to see the things in the background, they could blur it out. But that's also a conversation starter. And it actually helped us to get to another level of engagement. So it wasn't just always business. We could have some times where we just chat for a bit and that helps to strengthen the relationships. With so many twists and turns throughout her career, what has Michelle's journey taught her? Here's her advice to her younger self with some thoughts on what she might have done differently. It's okay to ask for help. Actually, from a leadership perspective, it shows a lot of leadership when you know that this is an area where you need to either delegate to someone else or you need to reach out and gather assistance. So I would say that my younger self, you don't have to do everything on your own. Make sure that you're engaging others as necessary. I would also say, you know what you're talking about, speak up. If you feel that there's something that you need to share, then go ahead and share it. Again, you have a seat at the table for a reason. So start communicating as necessary. And thinking about through your career, is there anything that you would have done differently? 
I probably would have ensured that I engaged a little bit more on the broader technology side. So even though I, I had some technology insight, what I would do is just build one on top of the other. And I didn't necessarily go back and do an additional deep dive on technology to make sure that it was that I was keeping up with that in alignment to some of the processes and other more general information that I had like on governance and things of that nature. And if I look at technology, looking at artificial intelligence, how does that impact maybe cybersecurity? I got a lot of that a little bit later on, but had I done it a little bit earlier, I would have really been able to tie in all of the pieces then much more value add, I think, because what you want to do is make sure that you have a couple of different avenues that you can go through, not solely technology for me, not solely technology, not solely business process. I like to have a few that I can interchange. And I think I would have probably stayed on top of the technology to make sure that I could lay that on top of some of the other things that I had going on. And that's such an interesting point, because when I speak to a lot of professionals in the industry, some of them are very technology focused. Some of them are very business focused, and it's hard to kind of straddle both to be, I don't want to say an expert, but to be able to be a, to be an advisor in both. What's kind of your stance on the governance versus the event piece and how you've been involved in your career? The governance is critical because that's where you really understand, okay, roles and responsibilities, who has accountability. If you follow the general racy, who has the responsibility, the accountability, who's consulted, who's informed. And so when it comes to crisis management, that's a key piece because we've got to know, okay, how do we escalate as necessary? First of all, if it's an incident, how do we know that it's triggered to a crisis? And when it has triggered to a crisis, how do we know who to engage? So I think from a governance perspective, if you really have a good understanding of what's required, of who needs to be engaged, how they need to be engaged, how things need to be escalated, that will only assist you when it comes to crisis management. It's just a, it's not even a stepping stone, I wouldn't say. I, it's, it's part of the process. I think inherently you really do have both. I'm not sure that everyone realizes that, hey, if you're doing crisis management, you're probably doing some governance as well. And of course, you can escalate that or elevate that skill set. But I would encourage people to give yourself credit because once you realize that you're actually doing both, then you can make the conscious decision on, okay, I want to learn even more. I want to do this with a lot more intentional direction versus just doing it because it organically came together. And that leads me to my next question. So think about emotional intelligence, situational awareness, and being a change agent. Which one do you feel is your kind of strongest competency that's gotten you to where you are today? Situational awareness right off the top. You have to recognize, okay, where am I right now? What are some of the things that I should have an eye out for? What type of homework should I be doing in order to be prepared for those conversations? But then right on the heels of that, you've got to make sure that you have the emotional intelligence to understand you can have all of the certifications in the world. I could know exactly how to rip down a server and put it back together. But if I don't have that emotional intelligence to know how to communicate effectively, then my message 
in general, my message will not get across. I might be able to provide you with a beautiful server, but that's only on the technology side. How am I going to communicate what the value add truly is from that piece of equipment? And then change agent. You know, sometimes we sit in a position and we think, okay, well, this is the position that I'm in, so I can only do this little piece. But once we realize that You need to be able to use all of those other competencies that you mentioned to really influence others and affect change. From a business continuity perspective, there's a lot that we see at the top of the house. And based on what we see in terms of risk appetite and engagement with senior leadership, we may be able to come up with a couple of recommendations on our own that could potentially assist the organization in going one way or another. And so being able to recognize that you truly are a change agent, the information that you've been able to gather through your analysis or through your conversations, your interviews, that can be used not only for present current state, but that can be used for future as well. Be used for strategic engagement with additional groups and the evolution of the organization. You know what you know. And so if there is something that you need to, that you feel you need to communicate, feel free to do so. Use that emotional intelligence to make sure that you're communicating it effectively. Know that you are a change agent and just make sure that you can provide those other skill sets of negotiation and sales and all of those things. All of those are are pieces and skill sets to the business continuity program. And you've got it. Just trust yourself to be able to move forward in that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Interrupted. I'm Shia Marling for this leader's episode. To get more insights and resources, head over to castellonbc.com and follow along wherever you get your audio.